First Sunday of 2018. How many of you guys ever seen the show Fixer Upper? Where are you guys at? Fixer Upper. You guys seen the show? How many of you guys like those shows where they renovate homes and the houses that we'll never have, but we love to look at? Right? right? So, uh, man, I love that show Fixer Upper, and I love watching it. And one of the things that I love um, about the show is sometimes they'll go in and they'll remodel a home. You know what I mean? So they'll come in, they'll kind of just repaint it, add a few things. Um, but my favorite ones are when they come in and they renovate the house. Man, it looks brand new. Even when the people walk through it, they're like, man, this don't look anything like it did when I first bought it. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, and I believe that the Lord wants to do that with our lives. He doesn't, he doesn't want to remodel an old thing. He wants to rebuild us into a brand new thing. Um, and so thus we are in the series Fixer Upper. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time for a Fixer Upper. Now turn to the person you just neglected on the other side of you and tell them that it is time for a Fixer Upper. Right? That person gets no love from you ever so no, listen, hey, let's, let's get into it, guys. Go ahead and take out your sermon notes. You should have got those on the way in the door. So we're going to start in Ephesians 4, but we're going to spend most of our time today in John chapter 4. Um, so you can go ahead and get your Bibles out if you have those, your smartphones, your iPads. Um, if you use those Android devices, we accept those too. Uh, so Ephesians, <laughs> man, making fun of that is like saying something about a college football team around here. You might get thrown off the stage. Anyways, let's keep going. Ephesians 4. 21 through 24 says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. How many guys know it don't take long for that to come sneaking back up on you on any given day, right? I mean, we have to throw it off. We have to get rid of it completely. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And this is the part right here. This is where we're at with this series. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Man, it's time for a new nature. It's time for a fixer-upper. It's time for a renovation. And how many guys know that if we can be renovated, that our value will be much higher than it was before God got a hold of us. God wants to institute something brand new. So we want to talk about the steps to a fixer-upper. And we, so we're going to spend most of our time in John 4. You can go ahead and turn there if you have your Bibles with you. John chapter 4. And to kind of catch you up because we're going to jump in halfway into the story. So what happens is Jesus and the disciples are walking and so they're on a journey. And as they're on this journey, they come up on a town, on a city. And so what happens is Jesus sits down to rest and he sits down on a well, right? And the disciples go into the city. They go into the town to buy food and he stays at the well. And while he's at the well, a woman comes out um, and she's a Samaritan woman. She comes over to the well to get herself some water. So she has her bucket, she has her pail, she has her rope. She comes to get water. And while she's there, she meets Jesus and Jesus asks her a question. And this one question unravels this whole dialogue that happens between her and Jesus. And it ends up changing not just her life, but so many other people's lives. And it all stems from this one question. And the question is, will you give me a drink of water? That's what he says. And so we want to have a look at what unravels from this with a Samaritan woman and Jesus at the well. But one of the things that I want to talk to you about in regards to that is that when God steps in, how many guys are control freaks? Where are the control freaks at, right? You want to have control of everything. Now, and how many of y'all just passive people? Just whatever is whatever. You don't really care. Okay, I didn't think there was many, many. <laughs> and then some, the rest of y'all are somewhere in between. Man, I'm a, I'm a control freak, personally. Um, I like it to be my way. If it's not my way, it's the wrong way. Come on, where are we at? Y'all know, how many of y'all, right? Some of y'all, I see spouses nudging people right now. Like, she's talking to you right now. So I'm a control freak. I love for it to be my way. But one of the things that I have learned in life is that I am the worst person to be in charge of my own life. 
Come on, somebody. Like, I, like when I'm in charge, I mess everything up. But how many guys, if you've given your life to Christ, man, if, if you've been made brand new in Jesus, it may not always look the way you want it to look, but God continues to do amazing things in your life. And the first thing that we have to realize when we come to Jesus and when he starts to renovate our life is that the master plan is in the master's hand. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say that again. They're going to throw it up on the screen. The master plan is in the master's hand. That's your first fill in your blank on your notes. That Man, that everything that is happening, everything that God wants to do, he's doing in, and our, in our lives and through our lives. And he has the plan. He knows what he's doing. And I, I mean, like I said, if I'm in control, I'm going to mess a few things up. I'm telling you right now. How many, guys, how many guys know by the grace of God some of the things you chose to do in life didn't pan out? You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all got ex, ex-boyfriends and girlfriends or whatever, like, thank God that wasn't what I did. You know what I'm saying? Like, but how many of y'all know, man, when we're, when we're in charge, things tend to get messed up. But thank God my renovation, the master plan to my renovation is in the master's hand. God is in control of my renovation. So let's jump in. John 4, 10 through 11. Here we go. Jesus replied. So the question is asked, can I have a drink of water? And she says, uh, and so she goes on, he, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So Jesus said, I would bring you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? In other words, she's saying, you don't even have what you need to get yourself what you need. How could you possibly have what I need, right? And so you, where do you get this living water? And man, I'm reminded uh, of, uh, I, I used to be in retail and then I worked in the restaurant industry for a little bit. And uh, any guys ever waited tables before? You've ever worked retail? How many guys know those customers that cannot be pleased? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like problem customers and they don't want to be happy. They just want to make everyone else miserable. Okay. So like they're having a bad day. So everyone should have a bad day. And man, I remember working at a particularly, it was a locally owned store. And so we, we'd have customers come in. I was the manager there, manager there for a while. And Customers would walk in and uh, they would get to the point to where I couldn't please them. I tried to do everything I could, you know, and they're just not happy. And finally they would say, you know what, let me talk to the manager. And I was like, you know what, that is a fantastic idea. Give me just one second. (laughs) And I would walk around the corner and then I would just come right back and I'd be like, I am the manager. Now what can I do for you? You know, like, in other words, like I would go around the corner and show back up. Why? Because what I was trying to explain to them is everything that you need to get accomplished stops with me. Like everything that you want in your life, every, or not in your life, but everything you want in this store stops with me. What Jesus was doing at the well is he was saying everything that you want in life, everything that, not just your temporary thirst, but your eternal thirst, like every solution that you're possibly gonna need, everything that you're looking for, not just at this well, but everything you're looking for in life, everything that you want in life, everything that you're seeking for, everything that you could possibly want is all found in who Jesus is for you. Like that job that you're wanting needs to be laid at the feet of Christ so that he can give you the job that you need. Everything that you're fighting for needs to be given to Jesus so that he can give to you everything that you need. And constantly, some of us pursue education that God did not have in plan for us. We pursue marriages and we pursue relationships that we know are unhealthy for us. We pursue people that we know are unhealthy for us. And we find ourselves in a constant state of anxiety because we never brought God into the beginning. And he's saying, if you'll give it to me, I'll give you everything that you need. So I love what Jesus is doing at the well. He's saying like, man, you think you just came for a cup of water, but I've got something far greater for you. 
Let's keep going, John 4, 12 through 14. And he says, and besides, she says to him, and besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And then when Jesus steps on the scene, he comes to bring eternal life. He comes to bring uh, nourishment to our soul, not just to our thirst. Like Jesus is our everything. And some of, some of us are wondering why we're chasing after so many things in life and we can't get anything to stick because we're not chasing Jesus. We're just chasing anything we can get from Jesus. Like we don't want the master's plan. We just want to receive from the master's hand. We don't want to give our life to God. We just want God to give us stuff. Okay. Like we, we need to surrender our life to Christ. One of the things I love uh, in Jewish roots, man, so in the, the lineage of Jesus and heritage that comes from the Jewish heritage, they do things differently than we do when it comes to describing things. And so if we were to ask you, man, describe Jesus for me, most of us would start to rattle off like words like grace or love or holiness or righteousness. Like we would, we would start to describe him with words uh, like that. But in the Jewish culture, what they would do is they use phrases and ideas and imagery to describe things. So if they say describe Jesus or describe the Messiah or decide God, they, they would say a rock or they would say living water or flowing water. Or they would say a cornerstone, or they would say a corner, or solid foundation. In other words, they don't just start to list out the attributes of God. They literally start to describe things that encompass all that God is. God needs to be the rock that our foundation is built on. He needs to be the cornerstone that holds everything together in our life. He needs to be the living water that we drink from so that we're not thirsty from all the other things that the world can offer us. We constantly need to be looking to God to give us everything, otherwise we start looking at everything and start neglecting God. That's good. I don't know what y'all are doing, but that's good. Number two, you need to preview the portfolio. You need to preview the portfolio. I mean, this is is so key. How many guys in your house would you let someone just say, hey, I'm good at fixing stuff. You're like, hey, you know what? Just cut loose in my house. Start knocking down walls. Not doing it, right? Gas line. Kaboom. No, I'm like, hey, you know, talk like, how many guys know if someone came to me and they're like, hey, I want to renovate your house. I'm like, can I see some pictures of some houses you renovated already? Because I want to see the portfolio here before we just get knee deep into this thing. Right. And so this is what happens. Let's go back to John 4. We're going to pick it up at 17. So what Jesus says here is he says, uh, man, go get your husband, bring him back and you can get me a cup of water and I'll give you living water. John 4, 17 and 19. She says, I don't have a husband. The woman replied, then Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. And then I love this. I love this phrase that Jesus says, because if you're not careful, you'll miss Jesus sarcasm in the Bible. He says, you certainly spoke the truth, which is like old school way for being like, yeah, no kidding. Like, so he says, you're not even married to the dude you're with now. You've had five husbands. So yeah, no kidding. You're not married. Right. So. And then, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. 
And so what we see here is that the woman at the well, this Samaritan woman has come to get a drink of water. Jesus is there, but she doesn't know that it's Jesus. She hasn't made the connection yet. Like she hasn't dug into who Jesus is and she hasn't bought into who Jesus is. So when Jesus speaks into her life, what she doesn't know is she hasn't seen the portfolio yet. She doesn't realize that he's already turned water into wine and performed miracles. He's already declared that he was gonna tear the temple down and rebuild it in three days. He's already prophesied that he's gonna do a number of miracles He's already been born of a virgin. So there's already ways that God has shown himself through Jesus, but she hasn't seen the portfolio yet. So she thinks he's just a regular guy. So she hasn't seen it yet. She hasn't seen the portfolio. I remember with my wife and uh, we had been married just about a year. We bought a home. And so I remember going into the home and I had this idea, right? I was like, you know, one of the things I would love to do is I would love to come in and put some wood on this wall, not like a pallet wall, but just like very clean lines, some like some old wood or something. And we could just, just this one wall, not the whole house, just this one wall. And she looked at me and she said, that is the dumbest idea that I've ever heard in my entire life. And I said, I know, I think it'd be all like, I've seen one other person do it. And I think it'd be really good. She's like, that would look terrible. Like we are not doing that in our house. So I, I try to like fight that battle a few more times, right? I'm like, come on, it will look great. Like, let's just do it. And she's like, no, like, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing it. Needless to say, she won that battle. All right. So happy wife, happy life. Anyway, so I was like, you know what? Fine. So then the show Fixer Upper comes out, right? How many of you guys seen the show Fixer Upper? Okay, good. So the show uh, Fixer Upper comes out and they start putting wood on walls. They call it shiplap. You guys ever heard of the shiplap thing, right? So it's like a cultural phenomenon at this point. And so they're, they're, they're in a house and they put shiplap. And this is what my wife says, no lie. Oh my God, it looks so good. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? It's like, that's exactly what I wanted to do. And she's like, yeah, but no. And I was like, it's like so let me, if I want to do it, it's a bad idea. When a little Korean woman on TV wants to do it, it's a great idea. So, and I was, all that to say is like, what happened? She was telling me like, listen, I haven't seen a portfolio out of you. Like I, you, you don't, you haven't proven to me that you're great at interior design or anything. Like, you know, like I've seen your truck and every time I open the door, a bottle falls out of like Dasani water or Diet Coke. Like, in other words, I'm not trusting you with this whole design thing, but all of a sudden she sees somebody else do it that has a proven portfolio. And what happens? She's sitting there going, like, that looks amazing. Can I tell you something? In our lives, what happens is we tend to want to give our life to Jesus when we get saved, but then we want to hold it back because we don't know his track record or we haven't bought into it yet. But can I tell you something? When you give your life to Jesus, you're giving your life to God. When you give your life to God, you're putting it in the hands of the man that took Saul and made him Paul, who took Job and took everything he had, but then gave him everything back that he didn't have before. You're talking about someone that took Daniel, allowed him to go in the lion's den, but not be consumed. David against Goliath, but he defeated the giant. In other words, in your life, you're going to come up against things that seem impossible, but you need to check the track record of the one who's building the portfolio because he's always proved that he comes through on time and he always wins. Man, you need to preview the portfolio and you need to trust the builder, which brings us to our next point, that you need to trust the builder's blueprint. Trust the builder's blueprint. I remember we were getting ready to buy a new church building before we moved into this one. We were looking at another piece of property and it had gotten to the point that we were going to go in. So we had an architect come out and he saw the plans. And so he drew up plans and the, uh, the part of me that wants to be in control of everything was looking at this guy's plans like, this looks terrible. 
Like, who would draw up a building like this? But then he started to explain to me why he was doing certain things, and I realized that his blueprint was way better than what I would have came up with because I would have wasted some space here, and I wouldn't have taken care of some of these things over here. And Man, when it comes to our life, I don't know about you, but like we talked about earlier, I'm the worst person to be in charge of my own life because I make terrible decisions. I don't know if you're willing to accept that fact about your life or not, but I bet you we don't have to go back very far to find some hiccups along the way from when you were in charge. Come on, somebody. Like, how many of y'all don't have to roll out the, the, <laughs> the history book? You don't got to flip too far back in those pages to realize that we're not good at that. So let's look at John 4, 23 through 26, right? So he declares to her, Jesus declares to the Samaritan woman, he says, but the time is coming Indeed, it's here now. And I want you to underline that. The time is coming, but indeed it's here now. Put a star next to it, whatever you need to do, because we're going to come back to that. He, that was a very strategic phrase that Jesus used, and we're going to look at it. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. For those who worship him in uh, for those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus looks at her and says, I am the Messiah. And so Jesus steps on the scene. One of the things that we realize, and one of the things that you may not catch in this story, is that see, the, the Samaritan woman had been taught about Christ, but she had never met Christ. And I think there's a lot of people, especially in the Bible Belt, you've been taught about Jesus, but you hadn't met him yet. Come on, somebody. Like, you, you, you can rattle off a few verses and you show up to Sunday church each week, but you hadn't let him renovate your life. You haven't allowed him to become your Lord and Savior. He hadn't taken control yet. And Jesus is saying, I need to step into that life. I need to do a whole renovation because if once you get saved, if your talk is the same and your walk is the same, then we question if your salvation is the same as everything else Jesus wants to do in your life. Why? Because there should be a brand new creation when Jesus steps on the scene. And so he looks at her and he uses a phrase. He says, but the time is coming. Why did he use that phrase? Because she had been taught her whole life. The time is coming. There's a time coming. The time is going to come when the Messiah steps on the scene. There's a time coming when Christ will reveal all things. There's a time coming where he's going to be this. There's a time coming where he's going to do that. And what he did is he stepped into her culture. He left his culture for a moment where he was all things. And he stepped into a culture where he could show himself that he was going to become all things. But not only is he coming, but then he says, I'm here now. In other words, I'm stepping into your culture. I'm telling you everything you heard is true, but now I'm telling you that everything you heard is going to be fulfilled and I'm here to fulfill it. In other words, the time is coming, but it's here now. Jesus is on the scene and everything that you need can be fulfilled, can be wrapped up in, can be consumed by Jesus because I am everything that you need. She thought she was there for a cup of water, but Jesus was going to give her so much more than that. He says, I am the Messiah. And so what she had been taught her whole life, right, what she had been taught in the culture was that the Messiah was going to be called God's son, rejected as the cornerstone, forsaken, pierced, vindicated, but also resurrected in Psalms. He was going to bring a new covenant in Jeremiah. He was going to be established according to a specific timetable that would be fulfilled and would be the son of God, uh, would be the son of man in the book of Daniel. He was going to come riding on a colt, but then be pierced in Zechariah. He was going to be a descendant of Abraham, a seed of a woman in the willing sacrifice in Genesis. He was going to be born in Bethlehem in the book of Micah. He was going to perform 
perform life-affirming, redemptive deeds, born of a virgin, and become the suffering servant, and would become the light to all the nations of the world, and would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace in the book of Isaiah. In other words, everything that she had ever been taught that Jesus was, was sitting right in front of her, ready to give her everything that she would ever need, more than just a cup of water. He was going to bring life to her. He was going to bring everything that she could possibly need. Why? Because Jesus met her where she was at. And wherever you are in life today, regardless of what you've come through, Jesus is here to tell you that I am everything that you thought I am, but I'm so much more in your life that you thought I was just here to remodel. You thought I was just going to paint a few walls. No, no, no. I'm going to tear you down. I'm going to build you back up and I'm going to make you greater than you've ever been before. Jesus is that guy. Brings us to our last point is that your design reveals your destiny. Your design reveals your destiny. And so God starts to tell the Samaritan woman. And so as I would expect, once Jesus communicates to her all these things, she takes off into the village, man. She runs off into the village to go tell everyone what she just experienced, right? Like, man, you got to hear about this. I'm about you. There was a season in my life right after I got saved where I wanted to talk to everybody about what Jesus was doing in my life. But somewhere along the way, life steps in and we start to lose track of everything that God is for us. But man, we want to bring that back. How many about 2018, we continue to keep on our lips everything that God is for us and in our lives. And so John 4, 39 through 42, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. And man, so he steps on the scene and does that. So she goes running to the village. She tells everyone they come out, they hear the message. And so then they convince him to stay. He talks to many more about who he is, that he is the Christ, that he is here to bring this message. And one of the things that I want you to understand about your design, revealing your destiny. See, one of the things that we have to come to grips with is the fact that everything that we've gone through in our life and everything that we've been through, everything that God has brought us through up until this point is all part of our design. And there are many things in your life that you wish you hadn't gone through. There are many steps, there are many pages. There are many chapters of your book that if you could choose to rewrite it, you wouldn't live them again. Come on, somebody, where y'all at? Like, now there's a few things that I'd like to take out of my book of life. There's a few things that I, if I could rewrite it, I wouldn't have made that decision. If I could rewrite it, I probably wouldn't have talked to that person. I rewrite it that, I definitely wouldn't have dated that person. If I could rewrite, wait, like, if I could rewrite it, I would have changed a number of things. If I could rewrite my book and I was in control, I wouldn't let that person be sick. I wouldn't have let that person die. I wouldn't have went through that challenge. I wouldn't have went through that trial. I would have chose to do that differently. But what we don't recognize is every Every part of the design is part of the destiny that your depression, your oppression, your marriage problems, your children problems, your, atti your attitude problems, your addiction problems, everything that you're going through is part of a design that God is in turn going to use to administer to other people. If you didn't have the design, then you wouldn't have the destiny. And God wants to take what you've been through. And it, regardless of how painful it was, God can use it. And so she steps on the scene. Five husbands probably wasn't the most comfortable thing in her life. What she was going through probably wasn't the easiest time of her life. But God took that to show her that regardless of what you've gone through, I'm going to use it to make you whole. 
And so he takes what she's gone through and, and she allow, he allows that to be the very thing that he communicates the promise to her on. He didn't communicate to her what her house looked like. He didn't communicate to her what her best friend's name was. He talked to her pain and turned it into his promise. I'm going to say that again. He talked to her pain and turned it into his promise. Man, God wants to meet you at the design table of life. And one of my favorite parts of the show, when I'm watching some of the shows, is I sit down with the client. And so she takes out her computer. She starts to show the house, how it's going to look when, he, when she's done with it. Right? So when they're done, it's going to look like this. It's going to have these floors. And the walls are going to, the kitchen's going to look like this. And these walls are going to look like this. And, and the roof is going to look like this. And the yard is going to look like this. And they're all looking at it. And they're just like, oh, my God, it looks fantastic. You know, whatever. And so they're, they're looking at everything and, and they love what they see. And man, how much better, how much more comforting would it be if God sat us down and said, hey, this thing you're going through, this is what it's going to become. And this thing that you're going through, it's going to look like this. And this thing, what you're, this is what I'm going to do with that. But how many guys know we don't get that option in life, right? It's called faith. And we have to use a little bit of it in regards to how God's do. But this is what God does do as he steps in and he says, hey, this room right here, this is where you were hiding that addiction. You didn't even tell anybody it existed. I want to step in. And I'm going to change that. And this, this room over here where your marriage problems were at, I'm going to step in. I'm going to do that. And this room over here, and this is your identity crisis. This is where you felt insecure because of all these things. And, and this room over here, this is where you hid your past. And you didn't think anyone knew about your past. And you thought that you could run from it. You thought if you, if you didn't let anyone get close enough to you, that your past would take over. And then this over here is your pain. And, and this is where you hid everything and you locked this door because you thought if you never let anyone close to you again, then they would never hurt you like that again. And so you've got all all these rooms that you've locked the doors on because you never let anyone in them. But when it comes to renovation time, God is ready to step in. He says, that thing that was your past, I want to step into that. I want to make that brand new. This thing that was your pain, I want to step into that. That everything, you thought you had to shut people up. You thought your relationships were over. You thought I couldn't bring anyone else in your life to help transform you. But I'm telling you right now, if you'll unlock the door and you'll let me renovate that thing, I'll make it greater than it's ever been before in your life. If you'll let me into that addiction, then I can renovate that thing. There's cracks in that foundation. There's problems in who you are, but I can step in. I can remember. I'm not here to put fresh paint on ugly walls. I'm here to make all things brand new. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he's here to renovate. He's not here to remodel. He's here to add value. He's not here to just improve. He's here to change everything about you because Jesus is the greatest thing that you could ever have in your life. And so Jesus comes on the scene, man. And when he comes on the scene, he's ready to sit down at the design table of life to show you that everything you went through is real. And listen, that pain is real. And I know that for some of us, if we could take it back, we would. But we can't. But when she looks at it, man, she says, man, those five husbands, those were painful. God says, those were painful, but that pain is the path to my promise. And your pain is the path to God's promise. It was ugly, it was painful, it hurt. But God's saying, you have a purpose to fulfill. There's a purpose for your life. Ladies, some of you have been hurt so bad by a man, there's no possible way you believe you could trust another one. I believe that, 
I don't know what God's plan is in regards to relationships in your life, but I know what God's plan wants, what he wants his plan to be in regards to making you whole. More than that, his promise and your purpose could lie in your ability to take ministry into other women's lives. What if everything you went through, God healed it and then used you to be the culprit and the leader to help lead other women to the healing that only Jesus could bring? Some of you men have been fighting insecurities and an identity crisis and fatherlessness. And what if the healing that God can bring in that arena is the very thing that's gonna let you become that to young men in this church and in your community? In other words, that pain, man, did God cause it? I don't believe that. Did God allow it? I do believe that. Why? Man, this world is sinful. It's messed up. How many guys know you ain't got to look very far to find this world is just jacked up? Let's get on Facebook. Right? The world is messed up, guys. It's sinful, but there's a remnant and a promise that rests when God steps in. And he can take everything that you went through and he can bring purpose to it if you allow him to fulfill his plan. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to make dirty things clean. He, made, he came to make dead things alive. And some of us have been walking around like we've been dead for days, weeks, months, years. We, we wake up, we go to work, but we don't have life because we're not letting God renovate the whole house. We're saying, no, 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 this room over here, it's fine. We don't need, God, you don't even need to come in here. And that's the room that he needs to renovate the worst, the most. Why? Revelation 21.5 says, Behold, it's Jesus. He says, Behold, I came and I am making all things new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that the old is gone and the new has come. How many guys are ready to be made brand new? How many guys are ready for 2018 to not be a cliche, the greatest year of your life? How many guys are ready for God to bring the most healing in 2018 than he ever has, right? How many guys are ready to pursue Jesus in a way that he can make it, that he can make a brand new you in 2018? So we wanted to kick off this series, man, helping you understand that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And as long as you let him into every room, give him everything, give him all that you have, give him all of yourself, God will renovate you in a way that he can make you brand new. Stop letting him remodel little areas of your life and start letting him renovate your whole life because God wants to transform your heart and he wants to transform your life bow your heads with me today maybe you're in this place and you're listening to me and saying man pastor that sounds great but I don't know Jesus today I don't know he doesn't control my life and I feel like the woman at the well I've heard about him but I don't know him And if you're sitting in this place and you're saying, Pastor, I I need Jesus to renovate my life. I need him to take control. I I don't just need him to remodel. I don't just need a few things fixed. I need a brand new me. I need Jesus to step on the scene. I need him to transform me. I need him to renovate me. I don't need a remodel. I need to be made new. And if that's you today, Jesus came so that you could be made new. 
the gospel, the beauty of the gospel is that we couldn't be made new in our own efforts. We're not good enough, but Jesus left the riches of heaven and came to earth. And he came to earth with one mission and that was to be the sacrifice for sin. I couldn't pay for my sin and you can't pay for yours. And when Jesus came to earth, he went to the cross, lived a perfect life, went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he died on that cross. When he gave up his life, he gave up his life to pay for your sins and for mine. And if you're in this place today and you're saying, Pastor, I need to get saved. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to know him. I wanna be saved that I don't wanna be remodeled. I wanna be renovated. I wanna be made brand new. I wanna be saved today. I want to know Jesus. If that's you, I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you. If you wanna put your faith in Jesus today and you wanna be saved, I want you to just raise your hand right now. I wanna give my life to Jesus. God bless you, God bless you. Hands are going up already. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Man, I wanna give my life to Christ. Once you put it up, you can put it down. I promise I'm not gonna embarrass you. If it's between you and God, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I want to be saved. Awesome, hands already going up. Maybe you're watching us on live stream. You're saying, I wanna be saved, Pastor. I wanna know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray today. And listen, if you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says to repent of our sins, which means to turn away from, to not go back to again. We turn away from our sins. But if you're putting your faith in Christ today and you're repenting of your sins, you're turning away. If you're doing that, you're saved. But let's make a public proclamation out of our mouth that we're putting our faith in Jesus today. So I'm gonna invite you that raised your hands to pray this prayer with me, but the whole church is gonna pray with you. You're not gonna be praying by yourself. So let's declare this, say, Dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe you lived a perfect life, that you died on the cross, and that you rose three days later. Through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, you've given me eternal life. I believe in you. I wanna follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that. Perhaps for the very first time.